Thursday. Welcome to the Colby Daniels Podcast, presented by Artisan Botanicals in Midwest City. Check out their line of natural medicine products, including Kratom, CBD, or Delta 8. If you're looking for something to help with pain, anxiety, or just an opioid alternative, Artisan Botanicals has what you're looking for. Plus, we're saving you 15% when you order online. Visit the website, abotanicalcompany.com. Use the discount code COLBYSHOW, C-O-L-B-Y-S-H-O-W. Discount code COLBYSHOW to save 15% off your online order at abotanicalcompany.com. Artisan Botanicals. All right, my weekly Thursday conversation talking MMA with Will Brewer. Will Brewer, my friend, how are you today? Man, with all these fight cancellations, I'm not sure how I'm doing today, but um, I think we'll we'll go with um, however this podcast goes. Thumbs up, thumbs down. Then I'll be able to uh, give okay. you my full my full disclosure on how I'm feeling today. <laughs> I felt like you would be in better spirits, to be honest with you. Oh, why is that, Mr. Colby? We have a new leader on the scoreboard. Will Brewer has come from behind. We went into last week tied, and uh, you came out on top with last week's picks. So you currently, you went from six points down three weeks ago to up three points you lead 50-47 right now, um, and we'll, we'll go over all the fights from last week, but uh, we basically had the same picks across the board except for two. One of those was a draw, so no point differential there. And then our main event, you went Yuri Prohaska, I went Dominic Reyes, so that was a three-point swing in your favor. So 50-47, Will Brewer leads on the scoreboard. Well, I like to sum it up like this. It went from... Damn it, Misha. Let's go, Yuri. Let's go. Oh, yeah. That was was an incredible fight. We'll get into it in a second. Um, But, yeah, I think think the the tone that you started with is the right one because fight cancellations right now are killing me, man. We should be previewing TJ Dillashaw, Corey Sanhagen this week. We should be preparing for Leon Edwards, Nate Diaz, and then in another promotion, Rumble Johnson and uh, Yoel Romero. That was, I mean, that had Blockbuster written all over it. And uh, it's just disappointing, man. Oh, disappointing is probably an understatement, man. I mean, for three fights to be canceled, to, for it to be those three fights out of all the fights that, that we have to look forward to over the next month, those three fights, like, I don't think it could get any worse, man. Like, the return of Nate Diaz. Rumble Johnson, you are Romero. Can you get a better uh, fight than that? And then TJ and Corey Sandhagen, like, ah, oh, man. Just one after the other, man. It's been tough. A tough week. Yeah, and, and look, obviously with the Romero-Rumble Johnson situation, I mean, that's in a tournament, so that sucks because it's, you know, a tournament to, to determine a champion along the way. And you're talking about the, the premiere of Yoel Romero. I mean, this would be the first time he's fought since the Izzy World title fight, correct? Right. So, yeah, we haven't seen him in a long time. And, you know, he would be coming back against, you know, like I said, a guy that would demand this fight be a a blockbuster. TJ Dillashaw comes back from a suspension. We're talking about a former champion against a guy that I think is absolutely at some point going to be a 135 champion in the UFC. And then for all the bad luck that Leon Edwards has experienced to have another fight pushed back. I... 
I don't know how Leon's going to get through this. Like, I, I was <laughs> sick for him. I was like, oh, my gosh, another one? Are you kidding me? Poor Leon, man. I mean, at this point, I think he's just used to it, man. He's cursed. For all the, yeah, for all this shit that he had to deal with through the pandemic and with the Hamza scenario, like, I think we've gotten to the point where people have, like, completely moved on from Leon and Hamza. So you kind of think, like, maybe his luck is starting to uh, come up a little bit. Then Bilal happens, and then the eye poke. And now, I mean, you think he's just getting blessed a little bit with this whole uh, Nate Diaz fight, and now it gets pushed back. Yeah. So, yeah, man, poor Leon. But hopefully it stays intact, and uh, and hopefully we get to see it next month. Yeah. Well, look, they, they said that they're only going to push it back a month and that we will see it at UFC 263. So, fingers crossed we get to see Leon Edwards in the octagon. Fingers crossed we get to see Nate Diaz. Fingers crossed that's the matchup. It's the five-round war that we're all expecting. Uh, but look, I, I would tell you this, I have my doubts about whether that fight's going to happen. I think if Leon Edwards is involved in anything, I am going to be very cautious from this point forward because clearly there is just some really bad mojo or whatever you want to call it around Leon Edwards and the Octagon. Yeah, it's it's bad, man. I don't know if he walked under a ladder or if he, <laughs> or if he like, stepped on a, some, a mirror or something like for years of bad luck, like... I don't know what it is, but Leon is, it just seems like he's cursed, man. Uh, he's such a talented fighter, and he's just like one big win away from a titles fight. And it just seems like that is just not in the cards for him. For some reason, he just can't get into the octagon for that fight. So uh, I, I'm hoping that this one's it. I hope that in June we get to see uh, Leon and Nate because that's such a fun matchup on paper. Yeah. And uh, it's a favorable matchup for Leon. Um, it's that name that he needs to get to that, to that title fight. So I hope it happens for him. But, man, uh, I don't know, man. Poor Leon. That's all I got to say. <laughs> Let's talk about the Corey Sanhagen TJ Dillashaw fight for a second because that was supposed to be the headliner on Saturday night. And we'll get into the, the, the newly named headliner in a second. But this was a fight as soon as it was made. I, I think you text me within like an hour of this being announced, and I was, you know, the the mind-blown emoji back because I thought this was such a perfect matchup for both guys, right? Like, this fight just makes so much sense. Uh, and then, obviously, you have to take into consideration the whole Pewter Yawn, Aljamain Sterling situation and how that obviously is going to be drawn out. So, Corey Sanhagen can't just wait. Till that fight happens and then wait for another, you know, extended period of time before he gets his opportunity. He needs to fight somebody. This is a former champion. This fight just makes sense. So TJ Dillashaw gets the cut. They have to postpone the fight. He was actually offered Pedro Munoz, which look, if you just want to talk about entertaining scraps, Pedro Munoz, Corey Sanhagen might be about as good as it gets at 135. And I wouldn't have been upset with that whatsoever. In fact, I probably would have been just on paper, uh, watching that matchup as excited as the one that was going to happen. But I think in terms of the big picture, if this, if the Dillashaw fight isn't going to be pushed back months and we're only talking about one to two months, then sticking with the Dillashaw fight probably makes more sense in the, in the big picture of things, right? I, I think you just put yourself at, at more risk with a guy like Munoz fighting that kind of fight, maybe having to have a longer recover. Uh, period because of the war that it's probably going to take to fight a, a Pedro Munoz. So if if this isn't an extended break with the Dillashaw thing, I think holding on to that matchup and you know running that one back anyway in a month or two makes more sense than 
the short notice Pedro fight, although I would love to see it. Yeah, that matchup is is extremely fun, Sanhagen and Pedro. But I got to say, man, for what it's worth, Corey, if it's not a title shot, the only thing that makes sense is uh, TJ Dillashaw uh, at this point. And, you know, TJ's got that nasty cut. You know, at least it's not anything like uh, COVID or something that's going to uh, be an extended layoff. So, you know, I feel like they can get this fight moving in the right direction here in the next like month or two and they can get back in there. Um, but for Corey, man, I think this is the only way to go if it's not a title fight. You go in there against the guy who is the former champion, uh, who's got um, who's coming off a two-year suspension. Um, you know, that fight just on paper, you know, when you hear those two names together, I mean, just like you said, like, there's no better matchup in the 135-pound division. I mean, you got Peter Yan and Aljo fighting for the title, but Corey Sanhagen and TJ Dillashaw, that fight to me, I want to see that fight way more than I would want to see uh, Peter Yan and Aljamain Sterling. No matter if I if I would have seen the first fight happen in the first place, I Agreed. would much rather see uh, Corey Sanhagen and T.A. Dillashaw because these two guys, to me, um, pound for pound, are two of the best in the entire sport. And seeing those guys uh, in the octagon together, it would be um, a chess match, man. And it could the fight could end at any point with both of these guys, and they're so well rounded. Like that's the fight to make. Uh, TJ and Corey, um, there's no other way to go, in my opinion. Yeah, couldn't agree more. I mean, if if you just put those two fights on the on the on the television at the same time, uh, I'm probably I I think I'm going to watch Dillashaw uh, Sanhagen first. Absolutely. Uh, and you know I'll, I'll check in on the other one, but yeah, I mean those guys' styles just they're, it's such a good matchup, uh, and the potential of what that fight could be is is off the charts fantastic. All right, let's uh, let's talk about UFC. Fight night, Reyes versus Prohaska. All right, well, let me let me walk you through my situation last Saturday night. So we were we were in Enid, Oklahoma, at a graduation. I didn't think I was going to be able to watch the card. In fact, I thought I was going to have to DVR the whole thing and probably like catch it around midnight or just wake up at some point Sunday and watch it. Uh, some things got reshuffled as far as the scheduling. Uh, and the aftermath of the graduation, the plans in that regard changed. So like we're headed back to Oklahoma city, uh, thinking we've still got things to do and, and everything gets reshuffled. And all of a sudden it's like the sky's open, the seas part, we pull into the driveway. I look at the clock. It reads, I believe it was like eight fifty seven. Oh, I was man. like, I have enough time to run in, hit the bathroom change it to some sweatpants, run out, get in, get in the chair on the back porch, fire up ESPN plus, And literally as I turn on the television, the Marab uh, Stamen fight starts. So I, I, I mean, r- just in time to catch the entire main card, we'll get to Marab and Stamen and all the fights before that. But you would be out of your mind if you started anywhere on that card, but with Yuri Prohaska and Dominic Reyes, Holy shit. <laughs> a 10-minute war, Will, that, like, I was standing and chewing my fingernails off. That was unbelievable. Unbelievable 10 minutes from those two guys. I was just, like, I think I was on a fight high just from watching it for, like, two hours after the fight ended. Man, to say the least, man, that fight was incredible. I mean... Dominic Reyes, man, 
for what it's worth, you know, I thought he was going to come out kind of timid and everything from what uh, happened with Jan and everything. But Dominic Reyes looked really, really good. I mean, I don't want to take anything away from him with the end result. Dominic Reyes looked really, really good. But Yuri Prohaska, man, his pressure, everything that he brings into the octagon, Dominic Reyes was hitting him with some incredible shots that would have put out most guys in the UFC. The counters that Reyes was landing. And then it only seemed like one really kind of stumbled him and kind of knocked him backward. But yeah. he was hitting him with some crazy shots, and Yuri was just kind of eating him. And at some point, you're just kind of thinking, like, man, what else can Dominic do to this guy? I mean, and Yuri, I mean, his defense, you know, it just seemed like his defense was, okay, I'm going to take this one. I'm going to keep moving forward. Eventually, you're going to drain. And that, I think that's what was happening towards uh, uh, the end of the second round. I mean, in, towards the end of the first round. You kind of could see Dominic was kind of starting to slow down a little bit, and Yuri was the pressure, which is starting to drain him a little bit. Um, man, Yuri looked incredible, man. Uh, his pressure, uh, relentless. You know, I heard a lot of people talking about how they compared to Tony Ferguson, and I, I like those comparisons, but I kind of want to take it another step further. When Justin Gaethje first got into the UFC, how he was just going forward and just not caring if he got knocked out, it was either – Kill or be killed. You die, I die. You know, it's whatever. Right. What's up? I, that's how I feel like Gary is. It's either you go down, I go down. Most More times than not, his opponent's going down. I mean, Yuri looked incredible. It was a crazy fight. Um, and it was more of what Yuri did than what Dominic didn't do, if that makes sense. I man. agree. Dominic looked, Dominic looked really good, but Yuri was just too much for him. Yeah, I, I think over the course of that 10 minutes, the, the biggest difference for me was just the way that each of those guys took each other's punches, right? Like, you could see the impact that Yuri's punches were having on Dominic, whereas it didn't feel like Dominic's punches were having near the same impact on Yuri. And, and he did rock him in that one circumstance. And unfortunately for Dominic, look, I, I, I don't know what the thought process was or if he was just trying to take what was available to him, but... When the time that he did finally rock him, he went for the submission, and I'm I'm like, dude, no, let him go, start <laughs> swinging. Like if 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 you're gonna get something done, he's finally shown some vulnerability here. Don't go for the submission. Try and land the big shot. Uh, but but I mean, look, that's that's it, it's you can say that in hindsight. Who knows what would have happened? But the ultimate difference was. I picked Dominic Reyes to win this fight, and it was mostly because I, I've just seen him a lot more than Yuri Prohaska. We we saw Pro, we knew he was a phenom. We knew that he had a bunch of ability, but we had only seen him fight in the UFC one time. It was really chaotic and sporadic in that first round against Uzdemir, and then he fin got, gets the awesome KO in the second round. So, like, I, that that's really tough to evaluate against a guy that has fought world-class fights like Dominic Reyes, but as somebody that picked Reyes and was going to benefit from the win, as I'm watching that fight, I never felt good about Dominic Reyes winning the fight because of the statement I just made. Yuri's punches were having far more impact on Dominic Reyes than the other way around. And you, you just really felt like Dominic was constantly in survival mode. And for as awesome as that fight was, for as entertaining as that fight was, Constantly, Dominic was in survival mode and doing everything in his power just to stay in the fight. Whereas with Yuri, I think he was hurting Dominic, but like he constantly, it, it was weird because it, it, it felt like it was 
somewhat like by the seat of your pants, but it also felt very methodical, if that makes sense, from Yuri. Like the style, I think, gives you this impression of like, he's just, you know, he's going completely off of feel. But as I watched it, I felt like he was just very measured in in the game plan and the way he went about it. And, uh, you know, the, the final knockout, obviously, is is something we'll talk about in a second as far as KO of the year, because I've heard that thrown out a lot this week. Um, but I, I couldn't be more impressed with Yuri Prohaska. I don't think Dominic Reyes is done. I think if you look at the three straight L's, a lot of people are going to want to downgrade Dominic Reyes. I told you last week, I think he beat John Jones. I you, Nobody can convince me that John Jones won three of those five rounds. That said... John Jones gets the decision. That counts as an L. Jan obviously knocks him out. Yuri Navius obviously knocks him out. Those two guys are two of the scariest dudes in the entire UFC. So, you know, say what you want about Dominic Reyes. I, I still think that he is a, an extremely dangerous light heavyweight. And his biggest crime is that he lost to Yuri Prohaska and lost to Jan Blahovich, who, my God, I hope we get to see that fight. That will be one for the ages. Like, I am already, like, edge of my seat, ready to watch Prohaska Blahovich, But uh, I, I don't think Dominic Reyes is, is done at all. It's got to be disheartening, though. I mean, to, to lose three straight that way when, you know, the, he was this close to, to being the world champion, it's got to be disheartening. But I walk away from that thing, like, just completely wowed by Yuri Prohaska and what the future looks like for him. Yeah, man, let me say this about Dominic. Uh, Dominic is still really young in this sport. Like, he got a title shot against John Jones, who is the greatest. Um, if he's not the greatest fighter of all time, he's for sure the greatest light heavyweight of all time. And at the time, Dominic Reyes was 11-0. and 0. Like, he hadn't had many fights, yeah. many professional fights, and he's already into a title fight. And then he loses a razor-thin decision. Um, me being biased, you know, I, I'll always say John Jones won, but, you know, that's me being biased. But, you know, Dominic Reyes, he did an incredible job in that fight. And then, you know, come off of that fight thinking that you that you beat the GOAT and then you go into the fight with Blahovich, you get knocked out. And then you go into the, um, the fight with Prohaska. These are all five-round five round wars against some of the best guys in the world. Jan Blahovich is a champion. John Jones is the GOAT. Yuri Prohaska, we obviously know he's a phenom. And these are still really, really uh, – young fights for Dominic like he's still he's he's what 11 or 12 and 3 now like he's still he's still very young in the sport so I definitely don't think that um he's done by any stretch um he's still learning he's uh he's got a very very high ceiling um but you know just like what what happened with Anthony Smith you know I, I definitely feel like he should take a step back in competition you know Anthony Smith has benefited from taking a step back and I think uh, the same happened with Dominic Reyes. Um, fight some of the guys towards the bottom of the top 15. Uh, get your mojo back. And then uh, maybe we'll see him back in the title picture once he gets more experience. But, uh, yeah, Dominic Reyes did really, really good in that fight. Just Yuri's uh, pressure. And, you know, that you know that elbow just kind of came out of nowhere. You know, for, you know that was just a, a strike that he didn't see coming. Um he took a lot of shots. He was wearing on his face. Like, his nose was bleeding. I think he broke his nose again. So, um, yeah, Dominic, he, he's proved that he's really, really tough. He's got a lot of skill. But, yeah, you just want to see him take a step back and uh, get his mojo back before he gets back in, t- gets back in there with some of these top guys in the lightweight division. Uh, but, yeah, man, um, going forward with Yuri, man, 
uh, the Blahovich and uh, Glover winner, uh, I think they'll have to see uh, Yuri. And it sucks that that fight is in September because if it was a couple months sooner, then we would be on a collision course. The winner of that fight fights Yuri. But now, but now the question is, does Yuri want to wait until 2022 or the end of 2021 for a title shot? So that's uh, something that we'll have to see in the uh, weeks moving forward. It sounds like it. I mean, listening to all of his interviews after that fight was over on Saturday night, like it, it sounds like that's what he wants next. And, and he thinks he's deserving. Dana White um, clearly, I mean, made the statement like he's next. And look, who are you going to make that case for Rockich to have a title fight over, over Prohaska? Like nobody in their right mind thinks that's the move. So like, I'm, I'm not kidding you. If Blahovich beats Glover, and that is not a guarantee by any means. I know a lot of people want to just brush through that one and start talking about the potential of, of Yuri and, and Jan, but if Jan does get past Glover, that matchup is going to be... I mean, I think that that is the chance to be one of the biggest matchups in, in uh, of the year. Easy. Absolutely. Uh, you know, Yuri... Yuri is so good with his pressure and everything, but let's say he gets in there with a guy like Jan. We know the type of power that Jan has, and we saw Dominic rock Yuri. If if Yuri runs into one of those bombs from from Jan, that that Polish power, I mean, that's what everyone's gonna want to see. And you know, I don't think there's any other way to go uh, for Yuri. He definitely deserves a title shot. I mean, this is a division that's been screaming for a guy to break out of the pack. You know. John Jones relinquishes the title. Um, now Jan's a champion. You know, Glover's looks good. But we're begging for someone to just come out and have that star potential, have us uh, wanting, really wanting to see a fight. Uh, and I think that's what Yuri did. And obviously we've got the champion in Jan who just is coming off that big win against Israel. So he's got a little bit of a following, a little bit of a, a fan base after him now that he's uh, had such a big win. So now if, you, if Jan wins this one, and fights Yuri, that's a big mega fight in the light heavyweight division that doesn't even involve John Jones or Daniel Cormier. It involves two completely different fighters. And, you know, that's new blood in the light heavyweight division that uh, people want to see. Yeah. Uh, did you catch any of uh, Yuri's interviews after the fight Saturday? No. He is... It's crazy to me that the light heavyweight division is full of these, like, super nice guys. Like... <laughs> Listen to Yawn talk after a fight, and you just can't help but love the guy. Same thing for Glover Teixeira. Same thing now for Yuri Prohaska. Uh, throw Anthony Smith into that yeah. category. Like, 205 is just full of these murderers that are like the nicest dudes walking the earth when you hear them talk after fights. But, dude, Yuri Prohaska, uh, like, the fight gets done. I'm like, that was, one, that was just one of the most incredible things I've seen in a long time. Like, holy cow, this guy is a... Uh, dangerous, violent man. And he does all these interviews and you just can't help but like the guy. Like he's just, he's like all the respect in the world to Dominic Reyes and all the respect in the world to Glover and Jan. And, uh, you know, he talks all about like, it's about the mixed martial arts. It's about, uh, you know, the respect for the competition and the sport. And like that, you know, he talks about the trash talk and he's like, that's all bullshit. It's about what you do inside the, it's just like, he says all the things that you're like, I love this guy. Like, how can you not like this guy? And and as I was thinking that, I just started thinking about the division, and I'm like, 205 is just full of sweethearts. What the hell? 
<laughs> yeah, and, and and it's crazy because John Jones was a, a part of that division for so long, and it just seemed like nobody liked him. He was just right. such a dick to everyone, <laughs> yeah. and all of a sudden he gets out of the division, and everyone's just all sweethearts. Anthony Smith, like yeah. everyone's just everyone's sweethearts, like you said, man. It, uh, I guess that just goes to show what kind of guy that you know John Jones was to everyone. But um, yeah, I mean. All these guys, Jan, super nice. I mean, I don't feel like Izzy could say a Israel Adesanya for how big of a trash talker <laughs> that he is. Right. He could not say one bad thing about Jan Blahovic. Right. And then, you know, Glover Teixeira. He's literally beating Anthony Smith on the side of the octagon. <laughs> and he's apologizing for and it. He's, he's apologizing for it. Like, and, you know, Anthony Smith, he just beats Jimmy Crute, obliterates his leg, and then all of a sudden... After the fights are over, they're having uh, a drink together. They're yeah, they're at the bar together. having beers together, yeah. Yeah, so it's just like, what's ma- what's made of this light heavyweight division? But once these guys get into the octagon, I mean, the, the fighting is doing the talking. Scary they're not dudes. Talk. They're not doing any trying to promote the fight. The, the fighting inside the octagon itself is selling the fight. And I think just the thought of Yuri and Jan, we're not thinking about – trash talk we're thinking about what happens inside the octagon it's not like a conor mcgregor or masvidal or nate diaz with their superstars and we're looking forward to their interviews and press conferences and stuff with yuri and yan we're looking for we're looking at their uh their fighting inside the octagon same thing with glover yeah yuri yan right now is absolutely on the uh on the wish like this fight has to happen yeah, and I'm trying really hard to, to throw in Glover's name in there because I keep saying Yuri and Jan like they're about yeah. to fight. I'm just like, ah, oh, let me throw in Glover in there too because Glover can definitely win this fight. He's For definitely sure. a dangerous, dangerous contender. For sure. I Look, it, to me, it's just strictly a stylistic thing when I mention Jan and Yuri. Jan and Yuri stylistically match up in a way that's going to give us, a, a, I think, a way more entertaining fight than Glover and Jan or Glover and Yuri, right? Like... Bottom line is, the clash that you would get with Yuri and Jan standing in the middle of the octagon and everybody just waiting to see, like, there's no way Yuri's keeping his hands down against Jan Blahovich the same way he did against Dominic Reyes, right? Like, there's no way he's just going to accept the fact that his chin is going to get touched multiple times when it's Jan Blahovich over there. Like, that stylistically, that matchup is just so much better than any of the other possibilities. Yeah. So it's not uh, Jan, a disrespect to one fighter thing as much as it's just a good lord. I I want to see those guys match up against each other. For sure, man. Like Jan, you know, Vulcan is good. You know, we've seen him get knockouts. We've seen Dominic Reyes get knockouts, but none of these guys are Jan Blahovitz. Like we've seen Jan Blahovitz knock out multiple multiple guys who are very very talented. Um, man. I mean, Yuri, the way he walks forward and just takes punches from these guys, you're right, man. I don't think he's doing that against Jan Blahovich because we've seen so many times where Jan touches someone and, you know, it's it's a wrap. And then we've seen what he does with leg kicks, uh, with uh, body kicks. Remember that mark, that welt oh, that was on Dominic Reyes' yeah. rib? Like, we've seen what Jan Blahovich can do to people. And now we've seen that he can control a guy like Israel Adesanya on, with his grappling. So... Uh, Jan's very well-rounded, and, uh, you know, Yuri's style and Jan's style, you know, they mesh really well, so it would be very interesting to see what happens. But, yeah, if I'm Yuri, I'm working on my defense for sure. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. What I just – I was so excited 
for that fight to happen on Saturday night. And it was one of those where, like, from the opening minute until, you know, the final final knockout, like, there was not a single dull moment in that matchup between Dominic Reyes and Yuri Prohaska. Like, I was, like I said, chewing off the fingernails, like, just this is awesome Christmas morning kind of smile on my face. Yeah, I mean, normally... Dominic is the one who's um, doing all this moving and making it really tough for guys to hit him. Yuri did not care where Dominic moved. Like, Yuri was in his face pressuring him. And it was so tough for Dominic to even get started. Uh, he had to rely on his counters. And you could just tell that it was just starting to drain him, all the pressure that Yuri was putting on him. But Dominic was doing so good, man, yeah. uh, with the, with those counters. Um, those counters uh, against somebody else, like, most of the guys in that division, he lands a counter like that, they're going down. It just shows, like, the cardio of Yuri, the pressure. Like, it's on another level. And uh, it, it just sucks for Dominic, man. I, I legit, I felt bad. You know, I wanted to see him lose because, you know, this whole John Jones stuff. I, I did want to see him lose. But, man, like, after that one, I, I, I legit felt bad because I was like, man, this guy, he's got so much potential and he, he was doing so well. And then just to get knocked out like that. Yeah. Uh, it, was, it was tough to see. Vicious. Vicious, man. Okay. KO of the year. Where, where does that uh, fall into the ranking for you? Is it, is it at the top? I'm not going to say it's number one per se. But I mean, I, there's been so many knockouts when you start to think about all the stuff that's happened this year. I mean, we're already, we're, we're in May. I mean, there's been so many knockouts, but I think the, the one that probably takes the cake for me is uh, Sanhagen still. Yeah, same for me. That's, uh, like, that's I was going to say the Sanhagen knee against Frankie Edgar for me is still the leader uh, for KO of the year. But look, I think, I don't know how much this should matter in terms of evaluating KO of the year. And I've talked about this in the past, but I feel the, the bigger the fight is or the more high profile the fight is, I think it's just natural to subconsciously like in some way hold those KOs in higher regard than, you know, a, a KO that may happen on the first fight of the night in a prelim. You know what I mean? Like, so like one of those to me almost has to be like just substantially better than a KO that happens in like a main event, for example. Uh, but that said, I mean, not only was the knee and then the, you know, Yuri's knockout, not only were both of those spectacular, but when you take into account that they were both from title contenders in main event fights, like it, it, it just kind of like adds another level to how spectacular they are. Absolutely. So much going into it, all the pressure in the world, you, you know, the fight starts you thinking like, oh, how's this one going to go? And then for it to end the way it did, the way it did, especially with Sanhagen, it just ended so suddenly. And uh, a guy like Frank Yeager, who is as tough as they come, for him to go down like that, like that still takes the cake for me. But I mean, Yuri's knockout, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be mad at it if that ended up being knockout of the year because that was a crazy knockout, like a, a spinning elbow. Um, I think he was throwing just elbows along the side of the cage and then just decided, okay, let me try to spin see if that works. And then it just landed flush. flush. And then you see the pictures of how perfectly that landed. Um, and Dominic didn't see it coming. And, you know, just landing face that face first, flat on his, uh, flat on his face, man. Uh, the visuals, man. 
Can you imagine the faces of John Anik, Joe Rogan, and Daniel Cormier sitting side by side if they were ringside for that one? Or I should uh, say octagon side for that one? Just just that, that whole 10 minutes, like you said, how you were, you know, uh, biting your nails and all that stuff. Like, imagine if there was a crowd. Imagine if folks oh. were announcing that fight. Like, the crowd would be going insane, like, I'm sure Dana White is probably thinking in his mind, like, I've got to get Yuri in front of a crowd. Like, yeah. I, I, I have to. I mean, the way he fights, that is a fan's dream. Like, that's what the fans love to see. I mean, for how much people talk, like the Connors and Nate's, and all, for how much they talk, we love their fighting styles as well. But Yuri, the way he goes out there and pressures these guys, and he's getting spectacular knockouts uh, each fight, that's what the fans want to see. And, uh... Man, I, I know Dana wants to get Yuri in front of a crowd. Can we please put Yuri as the co-main event on that uh, on that uh, Glover Yawn title fight? I don't want to have to wait to watch Yuri again. You know, I'm sure that Alexander Rakich feels like he deserves a title shot for some for some unknown reason. I don't know why. Um, that uh, dud that he put up against Thiago Santos, I'm sure he thinks he uh, deserves a title shot. I wouldn't be mad if Yuri just said, I don't feel like waiting until 2022. Put me in there with Rackage. I would love to see that fight. That would be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I really hope that we don't just like have him wait until like next January to fight the winner of Jan Glover. That would suck because this dude is a superstar in the making. I mean, the only thing, if he doesn't fight, I mean, I guess you just got to hope that um, Jan or Glover wins in the next or whenever they fight it. Whoever wins, wins in, what, 15, 17 seconds or <laughs> right. quick. Yeah, so you can yeah bounce it back really fast. Yeah, that's the only way. I, if that doesn't happen, then I guess he's just going to have to take that fight yeah. with Rockage. The problem is, I mean, Glover's, what, 40-something? And Jan, I think, is 39? Like, if that thing goes longer than five minutes, you're talking, I mean, each of those guys probably going to take a while. Like, that's just the bottom. That's what happens when your body gets older, Will. I'm just letting you know. You don't bounce back the same way. <laughs> And, and, and Yuri uh, just got into a – how long did that fight last? Oh, Ten minutes, like you Ten said. Ten-minute war. Yuri's only 28, 29 years old, so I'm sure he's like, oh, man, let me just get back in here after about a week. You know, these other guys, uh, Glover, Jan, they're they're up there in age, like you said. I mean, I'm sure if they have a 10-minute war, they'll yeah. probably want to take a month off before they get in train again. So, uh, yeah, I mean – Yuri's going to have to hope for a really, really quick matchup in September, or you know he's going to be looking at a 2022 title fight for sure. Yuri is 28 years old. Dominic Reyes is 31 years old, and Yuri has over twice as many professional fights. That's insane. Yeah, and he's only lost, uh, what, tw- twice? Um, he, had, he doesn't have many uh, professional losses. He's got a, I think he's he's got t- a really, really good record. Uh... His pro MMA record, 28-3-1, it says on tapology.com. Like, that that's an insane record, 28-3-1, yeah. and, and he's only and he hasn't even reached 30 yet. He, he's a former champion in Ryzen, and now he's in the UFC undefeated. Uh, yeah, the sky's the limit for this guy. Yeah. All right, our co-main event, Giga Chikadze and Cub Swanson. Uh, look, I, I told you on on uh, last week's show that I, I thought this was one of those unique cards where all the matchups potentially were going to give us like wars, and this was one that I was really excited about, as much as any fight on the card. 
uh, in terms of what it could be. And we got like a minute 15 or whatever the, the final numbers ended up being. Uh, Giga, man, he is, wow. Move this man up. Give him somebody. Give him somebody. Move this dude up. This guy is on a tear, Will. I, I, I'm, uh, I'm a big Giga fan. Oh, uh, okay. When I when I thought about this fight last week, I just kept saying Cub is gonna go out there and test his heart. We know how tough right. that Cub is. We we kept saying that over and over about how tough this fight's gonna be, how tough Cub is. But to see a guy like Cub go down from a kick like that, that just goes to show how brutal, how lethal that kick was. Uh, I mean. Cub is as tough as they come. He's been in wars. He's fought all the best guys in the world. And we've never seen him go down like that. I mean, that kick had to have landed flush. I mean, that, oh, I can't even imagine how painful that was because Cub is so tough. Right. I can't even, I can't right. even fathom how painful that was because Cub wanted no more parts of that fight after that kick. Right, which, which I mean, it complete, because Cub is who he is, it completely validates how good Giga is, right? Like, Absolutely. that's why I'm saying give him somebody. Like, he, 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 give him a top five guy. Like, I'm, I'm in. I, I love that he called out Max Holloway. I don't think he's going to get Max Holloway, but I love that he shot his shot because, like, look, the dude's on a winning streak and he is blazing through everybody in his path right now. After a knockout like that, to call out Max Holloway, that's perfect. I mean that's that's what you do after a big victory like that. You call a, you call out the biggest dog out there. Sure, you know it might not work, but at least you at least people know that you're willing to go up against these big dogs no matter what. Um, yeah, I, I say give him a top five guy. Um, the beats out there without a fight. Uh, I think Yair's um, suspension is about to end soon. Who's, who knows what's happening with him? Um, who else? I mean Arnold Allen just had a big win, so I mean just oh, give him somebody. There's a good matchup. Yeah, you just give him somebody uh, ranked in that top six, seven, uh, because I think we've got someone who's got a um, he's got star potential for sure. And uh, with the knockout or with the with the TKO like that over a guy as tough as Cub, you want to see him fight the very best in his next fight. Yeah, I'm looking at the rankings now. So obviously Volkanovski and Brian Ortega are doing the tough thing. You've got Max Holloway sitting there in the number one spot. Yair, I think you're right. I think the suspension is uh, coming up very, very soon as far as the end of that. Korean Zombie has Danny Gay. Calvin Cater, I, I read, a, I mean, it's probably been a month or two, but I read that the plan for him wasn't to fight until toward the end of the year. So I would like that fight as well, but I don't know if Giga wants to wait till the end of the year to fight again. Or at least I don't get that impression listening to the way that, that he kind of talked about everything. Uh, Josh Emmett, he tore the ACL, right? right uh, I believe. Right. I would imagine he's got to be getting close to coming back as well. He's been out for a while. Uh, that would also be a good matchup. But, you, I mean, the name you mentioned that makes a ton of sense, Giga Chikadze and Arnold Allen. I mean, both of these guys are on win streaks. Both of these guys right now have been really impressive. I mean, I, and they both just really had their validation fight, right? Like Arnold Allen beats Sadiq Yusuf. Uh, and you got Giga beating Cub Swanson, like style and stylistically, I really like that fight. Yeah, both these guys are young. Um, they're like on the cusp of reaching that upper echelon of the division, the top five type guys. Both of these guys, 
are, are right there with the big win. They could um, be one step away from a, a from a title shot. And yeah, stylistically, man, um, Arnold Allen shut down uh, Sadiq's uh, power, so we didn't really get to see uh, Sadiq land uh, much on him. But going against a guy like Giga, uh, I mean, he's so skilled. I mean, I just don't, I don't know how that goes for Arnold Allen. I mean, I, I think he's gonna really have to use his grappling because I think standing up, Giga's as good as it gets, man. Yeah. That was, yeah, that was really impressive. And again, the Giga kick gets it done. How about the Giga fence climb? I, I That was maybe the most uh, underwhelming part of his performance on the night. He struggled a little bit to, to get up that, uh, to get up that fence. Yeah, man. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I know you, I know you were excited to, you know, go up after that, after a big win like that. So you probably wanted to go up there and do a backflip or something. But, it, I mean, the struggle was just so bad. You're just like, ah, <laughs> damn, just stay down, man. It's, it's okay. You're, okay, so you're a Packers fan. You know sometimes sometimes they score and they try to do the Lambo leap, but Lambo they don't leap. quite yeah. make it all the way. Yeah, <laughs> that, that was kind of what it was. I was like, oh, Giga, come on, man. Come on. This fight only lasted a minute. You should have a little more juice in the legs. I mean, may, I mean, maybe he threw it all into that kick, but, I mean, but goodness, man. Come on, Giga. You got to have more athleticism than that. Yeah. No, I, I'm, I'm a Giga fan. I, I, I definitely want to see what's next for him at 145. All right. Ion, Kudalaba, and Dustin Jacoby. We had fireworks in the weigh-in as uh, Kudalaba just turned up the heat on this matchup. I thought this was going to be a really good matchup. I thought Dustin Jacoby coming in on short notice, um, I liked Kudalaba to to potentially win this fight early, and he dominated the first round. When this fight got out of the first round, though, I I, I definitely thought my pick was in trouble, and I thought if this, I, I even said last week, if this fight goes the distance, I think Jacoby wins it. It went the distance, and certainly down the stretch, I felt better about Dustin Jacoby's side in this thing, but we end in a draw, Will. What's worse than a draw? Uh, I guess a man. DQ. Oh yeah, a uh, how about an up kick from a downed opponent? <laughs> <laughs> there but, you go. Yeah, there but, you go. Yeah, man. I thought for sure Dustin Jacoby was gonna get the uh, was gonna get the nod, man. Uh, I mean, I know that fight was close. I definitely Eon won that first round, running away. I mean, uh, clearly won that one. Uh, Jacoby, I think he bounced back in the second, and I thought he edged the third. But, you know, it was so close. Um, I mean, I guess I didn't hate the split, uh, or I meant the draw, but, like, you know, I mean, judges don't – they barely give draws anymore. Like, come yeah. on, man. You, normally you see people just picking out a winner. Um, they normally don't give draws. So, I mean, I, I guess I don't hate it, but uh, I would have liked to see a winner for sure. Yeah. All right, Sean Strickland and Christoph Jotko. We were both on Sean Strickland's side of this fight. Man, once again, he just looked fantastic, and he looks like a dangerous dude in the octagon. He just continued to walk Jotko down. The boxing was outstanding. Uh, I think he was a little bit disappointed overall in his performance, the way he talked after the fight, but, man, this guy's 23-3 and overall. He had the... Motorcycle crash a couple years ago that threatened his career. He bounced back. We talked about this last week. His last fight against, I think it was uh, Brendan Allen, was really impressive. And uh, he even they asked him like, "Who do you want next?" He's like, "I don't care. I just want to fight." Like he's like, "Give me somebody ranked. Give me somebody unranked. 
I don't care. I just love to fight inside the octagon. I mean, this is the kind of guy you just love to watch fight because he loves to fight. Uh, but another really impressive performance from Sean Strickland. Man, there's there's some guys who move up in weight, and then you see them, you know, kind of fill out their body at the new weight, and you just kind of wonder, like, how in the hell did they make their previous weight? So Sean Strickland was at 170 for for a long time, and seeing him at 185, I do not know how this man was <laughs> making right. 170. I I just I don't know how because. Jocko is a big dude, and I felt like he was the same size as him. Like, the, the size of these guys, is, it's, it's incredible, man. But uh, Sean Strickland looked really good. His, his striking looked crisp. Um, and then, you know, he's been around, but you don't really notice that he's 23-3. and three. Like, he, it's kind of flown under the radar. And I, yeah. I, I'm not sure if he's ranked or not, but, he is. you know, with the that good – Yes, he deserves to be ranked for sure. And By the way, one of his losses is to Kamara Usman. Yeah, yeah, Kamara Usman beat him. Uh, and, and I mean, I'm sure Usman's probably thinking, like, if I can beat him at 170, I could probably be on 185. So maybe we'll see Usman move up soon. But anyways, uh, Sean Strickland, when he was at 170, he was a really, really good striker. But you could just kind of tell that something was missing. And since he's moved up to 185, like, it just seems like everything's coming together. He's completely dominating these guys. Um, and it doesn't even seem like it's much of a struggle for him. Yeah. Um, he's, he pretty much wiped out Jocko, and he he wasn't happy with his performance. And I think he just – it's because he really wants to finish because people love the finishes. And, you know, not many people are putting much into the decisions. Yeah. So uh, I think moving forward we'll see a more aggressive Sean Strickland. But he's so good, uh, I think he, he can get those finishes for sure. So I think moving forward, man, we're going to see him uh, in a really big fight moving forward. I don't know against who, but I like his chances going up against the, some of these guys at the top of the division. Yeah. He said he was disappointed that he didn't get the finish and he didn't like his performance. But, man, I love watching this dude just look razor-focused in there and just walk his opponent down the entire fight. Like... I, I, I really enjoy this guy inside the octagon. He is currently, uh, let's see, number 11 in the middleweight division. So, he so was, okay. He was 15 Go going into the Jotko fight. He's moved up four spots, so number 11. He, he's a dangerous fight, too. I mean, if you're on a, on a skid and you run into a guy like Sean Strickland, like, that's not an uh, easy fight that's not a fight where you're just like oh i'm gonna get back in tr on track against sean strickland that's that's not what this guy is this guy is very very dangerous for many guys in this division um and just thinking about the top of the division like you have uh the vittori's you have apollo costa cannoneer uh Derek brunson darren till all of those guys they're not gonna want to run into sean strickland I, I can just i can tell you that right now yeah i'll tell you the fight i like Uriah Hall, Sean Strickland. Uriah Hall's at number eight. He just had the basic non-fight against uh, Chris Weidman, so I would imagine he's wanting to get back inside the octagon soon. Sean Strickland sounds like he's game to get back in the octagon whenever they want him to. Um, I feel like both of those guys would benefit from a win in that fight to somewhat validate them to elevate them in that division. Um, again, Sean Strickland doesn't sound like he's motivated by winning the title, uh, so maybe... Maybe that doesn't motivate him, but uh, 
stylistically, I think that would be a good fight, and I think the winner really could elevate themselves. Oh, yeah, that's a great stylistic matchup. A, a striking war between two very, very good strikers. Um, yeah, I mean, Dana White pretty much shut down Uriah Hall's uh, chances of wanting to move up and fight some of the guys at the top of the division or, or even asking for a title shot. Remember that post that he put on Instagram after the Weidman fight? He put the first guy to win a fight uh, with no strikes landed. I'm like, ah, he doesn't want Uriah Hall talking any noise at all. So yeah. I can definitely see uh, Uriah Hall, Sean Strickland, that fight being next. That's a that's a great fight, too. Yeah. It makes a ton of sense for both guys. And, like, when you look at that division, obviously we have Izzy Vittori coming up. Um, Whitaker is just waiting his turn. He's next. I don't know what Paulo Costa's doing. I don't know what Jared Cannonier is doing. Um, I don't know what Derek Brunson is doing. Jack Hermanson has... Who's Jack Hermanson have coming up? Edmund uh, Shabazian. Yep. And then, uh, let's see, Darren Till had the injury... There are a bunch of guys at the top of this division right now that, that currently don't have dance partners. So it's a really interesting division. But I think, again, when you look at um, the potential of not really rewarding Uriah Hall uh, with the, you know, with that win, then Sean Strickland makes a ton of sense. So, Yeah, the middleweight division is kind of at a standstill right now. You got the yeah. um, champion fighting Vittoria, and then we already know that Rob is next. Um, yeah, you don't know what Paulo's doing. Uh, I mean, I guess he had COVID. That's why he didn't fight Rob or whatever the case was with, with the wine or whatever Paulo's doing. Um, and then, you know, Darren Till just had the injury. It seems like him and Derek Brunson are about to fight. Um, they've been talking back and forth on, on Twitter. Um, Kendanier, I know he got hurt in that Rob fight. So I, I think he should be having a, uh, a fight coming here soon. Um, I feel like we're missing someone. Who Darren is, Till. Oh, yeah, yeah. Is it Darren Till? No. Okay, Costa, but, Cannoneer, Brunson, Till. Yeah, that's everybody. Yeah, so, yeah. Gastelum just fought. Shabazian and Hermanson are about to fight. So, yeah. Okay, so, yeah. Um, Uriah Hall and uh, Sean Strickland makes a ton of sense. Um, the rest of those guys at the top of the division, they're going to have to figure it out. But, yeah. Hall and Strickland is definitely the fight to make. All right. Uh, we were also on the same side of the first fight on the main card, and that was Marab, Devalish Willie, and Cody Stamen. This was also a really fun fight. I don't know if Marab has some sort of superpower or what it is, man, but like the stamina, right? The Just the ability to put out that kind of output uh, for that like consistent of a time, like I, the whole thing is just crazy to me. Like it's, he's just not human. I feel like he took the same serum that like Captain America took or something, but uh, I don't know. It's so funny to me with Marab because I hear a lot of mixed feelings about him. The people that like him, like myself, I think feel like this guy could be a champion. Then I think there are other people that, that don't feel like he's a finisher that, uh, you know, you look at a bunch of decision wins uh, and you know, a lot of people don't necessarily like the, the, you know, wrestling mentality. They want to see knockouts. And, um, I mean, I, you know, I, I get why some people may not appreciate him to the full degree, but 
man, I am a big fan of Marab. And, you know, Cody Stamen was his toughest opponent to date. Cody Stamen really challenged him, but we saw the best we've ever seen of Marab on the feet, I think. And once again, the dude's like a magician on the ground. Like, no matter what you do to him, it's like he always knows the, the next move. And I love guys that make what they do look easy. And Marab, every time he gets on the ground, he makes whatever it is he's doing look really easy. Yeah, I, I'm really impressed by Marab. Um, he's got next level cardio. And I think when he, he like you said, Cody Seven was his toughest opponent. And I think that was probably his one of his best performances. Uh, he went out there and uh, controlled him on the ground. And he looked really good in the stand-up as well. Um, but, but like I said, the, the next level cardio, just being able to pressure a guy like Cody Stamen from bell to bell, um, he looked really, really good. And, you know, I think it's the same type of effect that, you know, like the Usmans and the Khabibs have. Like, we know that, that these guys are good. We know that they're going to dominate with their wrestling and they're not really going to be doing a lot of finishing. But we could just see that there's something special about them. Uh, we we could just see that there's something special about Marab with his wrestling, how good he is, how he's able to control people. It's it's a special type of grappling that he possesses. And he's already got a pretty decent striking base, and he's still pretty young in this game, and he's only getting better. So, I mean, the best is yet to come from Marab. I think he's kind of playing it not necessarily safe, but I, I think that he's just doing what he has to do to win. And as these fights get tougher, I think we'll see even better performances out of him. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I, I'm i really curious to see what's next for Marab in that weight division. Uh, I think it's, you know, we've talked about this. Like, there are dudes in that division right now that are unranked that it's like, how? Um, <laughs> yeah, Sean O'Malley's one guy in that division that's unranked. Um, Adrian Yanez is another guy in that division that's unranked. Like, that division is loaded. Right now, Marab is number 11. And when you look at the guys in front of him, if they're going to move him up, it goes Aljo, Jan, Sanhagen, Font, Garbrandt, Aldo, Marais, Frankie Edgar, Pedro Munoz, Dominic Cruz, and uh, Rafael Sunsal. Yeah, it doesn't get any easier, man. Uh, off the top, off the top of my head, those two, there's two names that jump out at me uh, that would be great for him. I think um, a fight with the Sunsal would really uh, show where he's at. I think Asuncao would test him in every way. And a guy and that then, has a lot of experience, obviously. Absolutely. A guy with a ton of experience. And then um, maybe they throw him in there with uh, Marlon Marais. We haven't seen him in a while. Uh, maybe uh, Marais is the next guy. But um, I think that Asuncao matchup sounds uh, really intriguing. That might be uh, what's next. You look at that division, Will, like it, the top 10 is just loaded with stand-up strikers like stylistically yeah, uh, marab yeah. could be a problem for i mean everybody in the top 10 and his pressure like just thinking about if he's in there with a uh, cody garbrandt like we know how fast he is but if he completely shuts that down with with wrestling yeah like rob, rob fine uh aldo uh dominic cruz like all these guys like you said they're they're striking based fighters and they don't have that style uh, that Marab has where he's just going out there just taking guys down and just draining them. Uh, I mean, you'd have to go to the top of the division like with uh, Aljo. 
But Aljo's teammates, so they're not going to fight. So, yeah. I mean, I think Marab could, could potentially have his way with a lot of these guys. And then just, you know, if Aljo's still the champion, he'll be looking up at Aljo like, man, I might need to, you know, I don't want that belt. We might have to, you know, get it, get it on. Yeah. I forgot that uh, I was thinking of, like, really good matchups in that weight class, and I thought Ricky Simone... And I didn't realize they had fought in 2018. Ricky Simone beat Marab. Really? Yeah. yeah I didn't. I did not know that. Yeah. Uh, Ricky Simone, he, he's good, but I didn't think that he'd be good enough. To, was that like Marab's debut or second fight? Let's see, Marab. That was uh, that was his second UFC fight. So he lost his UFC debut to uh, Frankie Sands. And then uh, lost to Ricky Simone, and then since then he is six and zero. Okay, so coming into the UFC, those two guys, those aren't two easy fights at all. Those aren't guys that you can just throw in there and just be like, okay, I'm going to easily beat these guys. Yeah, I'm sure Rob now would beat a Ricky Simone and a, a, and Frankie for sure. But um, coming into the UFC for those to be his first two fights, that goes to show. Um, how much potential that the UFC felt like that he had. And now he's 6-0. and He's learned from those losses. And um, I think the sky's the limit for him as well. Yeah. Yeah, he's big league. So you went uh, four for five on the card. The only one you didn't get right was the draw. I go three for five. I had I lost Dominic Reyes, and then I also didn't get a point from the draw. So 50-47 on the scoreboard, which means, my friend... You get to pick first as we get ready for Saturday night's fight card. A very odd fight card, Will, because at the beginning of the week, we didn't even know what the main event was going to be. So let's before we make our picks, let's start with this. Your reaction to the main event, Marina Rodriguez, as uh, I keep hearing people pronounce it. Rodriguez, by the way, that's uh, like an H at the beginning. I have I, I grew up with uh, several friends, last name Rodriguez, like hard R. Uh, so anytime I see the name spelled that way, I just say Rodriguez because uh, I have friends that that's how they pronounce their last name. But uh, I've heard it said Rodriguez uh, over and over this week against Michelle Watterson. Man, well, let me just let me first say this. That is my first time ever hearing the pronunciation of Rodriguez with an H. Yeah. So uh, all my life it's been Rodriguez, but I that's, guess. that's Yeah. <laughs> hey, look, that's uh, like. Pudge Rodriguez. I mean, I've always been a Rodriguez guy, but uh, when I hear when I hear John Anik pronounce it Rodriguez, then uh, I just assume that he's right. Uh, absolutely, you can never go against John Anik. That guy, he has all the <laughs> pronunciations down somehow. But um, so when I when I got word of, of this being the main event, first of all, I'm thinking, where did this fight even come from? Because this fight wasn't <laughs> even on the card. This fight wasn't on any future cards. This fight just kind of just came out of nowhere. Like, I'm looking down the card. Of course, you know, Corey and TJ got canceled. So I'm thinking, okay, um, Cowboy Cerrone and, or, is going to be the main event or uh, Neil Magny, Jeff Neal. That, I thought that that was going to be the main event. And then they're talking about Marina Rodriguez and Michelle Waters. So I'm like, where did they even come from? So when I found out they were actually going to be the main event, I'm like, Okay, um, it's 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 odd, but 
you know, this is extremely short notice because the fight, the TJ and Corey fight got canceled, what, in the middle of last week or like last maybe Thursday or Friday. And, and now all of a sudden, these two women are signing to fight a five-round fight at 125. Like, yeah. I mean, for me, it just goes to show how game that both of these women are. It's crazy just to even think that they would take a five-round war on such short notice. Um, I, I mean, I like the matchup. Uh, both of these ladies are uh, ranked in the top 15 at strawweight. Uh, I'm glad that they're doing it at flyweight. You know, they're not going to try to drain themselves to make weight on such yeah. short notice. So. Um, I think we'll get to see a, a pretty intriguing matchup. Uh, I don't know how their gas tanks are going to look going five rounds because we don't know like how much either one of them have been training. Um, but I'm, I'm intrigued by the matchup. I'm intrigued to see how it looks going five rounds on such short notice. But um, all the props in the world to uh, both of those ladies are taking the fight. Yeah, you got to love the fact that they were both game enough to take this, like you said, on short notice. Like like you said, I had never even heard anything about this, and then all of a sudden it's like, hey, this is a possibility, and then it's like, hey, here's your new main event. Replacing <laughs> Corey Sanhagen, TJ Dillashaw, is Marina Rodriguez and Michelle Watterson. Here you go, fight fans. Like, uh, wow, that was, that was, it was just a wild, uh, wild put-together card. Yeah, and you just like, where where did it come from? And then you're like, why didn't Neil Magny and Jeff Neal get bumped up? Because, you know, both these guys are coming off of main event fights, right? Like, yeah. Neil Magny fought Michael Chiesa in the main event. Uh, Jeff Neal fought Wonderboy Thompson in the main event. So I thought that that, was, that would be the obvious choice for a main event. Um, but I will say... I'll say this, this Diego Fajeda, Gregor Gillespie, I think, is also... I mean, if we're going to talk about fights that are potentially worthy of a main event on this card, I think that one would be worth consideration as well. Absolutely. Uh, and that fight's going to be a, a war. Um, Fajeda, we know how tough he is. Uh, he just fought Benil Dariush, and we know how tough that fight was. Gregor Gillespie, we know what he brings to the table. So, I mean, I would love to see that one to be a five-round fight, but I maybe it's um, a thing where none of these guys wanted to take a five round fight. I'm sure yeah. it had to have been it could offered, be. and then none of, and then everyone was like, uh, I, I kind of like the three round because we've seen main events fall off, and we've seen like, um, uh, like I remember Anthony Smith and Alexander Rockage got bumped up to a main event, and uh, they only fought three rounds. Um, actually, now that I think about it, this isn't the first time Michelle Watterson has taken a. a short notice five round fight because if you remember she fought Angela Hill uh and that fight was like I guess it was a three rounder and then it got bumped into a five rounder I forgot what fight got um got bumped off the card but uh yeah so I guess you know Michelle Watterson she's always going to be there for the UFC to call on her whenever they need her so um yeah all the props in the world to both Michelle Watterson and Marina Rodriguez Marina Rodriguez. Yeah, there you go. There you go. All right, let's kick this thing off. We have a six-fight main card on Saturday night in the UFC's Octagon, and we begin with women's strawweight. Um, I mean, this one kicks off with a fight I really love. Uh, Amanda Hebos, 12 or 10 and 2 overall against Angela Hill, 13 and 9 overall. Like I mentioned, you have the lead, Will, so uh, the burden is on you, my friend, uh, which is pretty nice, actually. So uh, <laughs> you have the floor. 
right away, I wish you were picking first on this one because this fight, this fight is pretty good, man. Uh, Amanda Hebas is coming off that knockout loss to uh, uh, Rodriguez. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, it's going to be, I'm curious to see how she's going to look. Um, Angela Hill, she's always game. She's going to move forward. I think Amanda Hebas uses more of a grappling in this fight. Uh, you know, Angela Hill's going to try to push the pace, but I'm not really sure she's going to be. She's going to look to go to the ground that much. Um, and and you know, Amanda Hebas on the ground, she's uh, as tough as they come. So, do you uh, want the odds? I, I just pulled up the odds here, so I can give yeah, you the yeah. odds too. Yeah, let's hear. It. All right, we have Amanda Hebas minus two twenty five, Angela Hill plus one eighty eight. Wow. Yeah, I think that fight, this fight is a little closer than that, but um, I was uh, leaning towards picking Amanda Hebos. I think she's warranted to be the favorite. I think she's got more ways to win. I think Angela Hill is really tough, but when it comes down to it, I just think uh, Amanda Hebos has just got a, a step over her. Amanda Hebos for me as well. Uh, we were on opposite sides of the Marina Rodriguez and Amanda Hebos fight. Uh, the last time around. And it was one of those where I was texting you after that first round. I was like, man, Amanda Hivas looks really, really good. Dominates the first round. And then she just gets KO'd out of nowhere. And it was like <laughs> such a devastating loss to me because I felt so good about her. Uh, and I was just like, what the hell happened? Um, I think she learns from that. And uh, I, I do think Angela Hill is a really good opponent here, but I love the upside for Amanda Hivas. So, Amanda Hebos for me as well. All right. Uh, hold on. Before yeah, go ahead. Go on, man. Go just, ahead. Just, I'm taking myself back to that fight when, when Amanda Hebos got knocked out. Because like you said, it was going so well yeah. for her in that in that first round. And then it just so quick in the second round, it just <laughs> that punch. That was your damn it, Misha moment right there. <laughs> Bro, that was okay. So that was when we were doing the the old scoring format as well. We were doing the confidence yeah. points, and that was my five-pointer yes. on that card. Because I was like, I, I, I really thought Amanda Hebos was on track, and I gave it, I gave her my five points. I was like, she's going to win this. She looked great in the first round. I was feeling good about it. I'm like, I'm going to get my five points with this win. And then, like, all of a sudden, boom, 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 it's over. And I was like. <laughs> Man. And I think that was the Connor and Dustin fight card. I think you were pretty heated the rest of the night. And then you just, you were so mad at the ESPN post fight guys. And I think just, it came off of that fight. It was so funny, man. Oh, oh is that, is that when they kept calling Dustin Dan? Dan. In the post, yeah, in the post fight show. Dan, and, and then Dan Poirier delivers a punch to Conor McGregor. And our winner is Dan Poirier. I'm like, are you kidding me? Dan Port, like, Look, a lot of these names in the UFC are tough to say. Like, I, I get it. Like, there are a lot of really tough pronunciations, and we are not sticklers for pronunciations at all. We get names wrong all the time. But but for a guy like Dan Poirier, like, come on, man. That's not even a mispronunciation. You just literally don't know the guy's name. Uh, yeah, that, 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 was, that was bad, man. Like, it's not like Marab, uh, Davishvili, or however right. you say it. Thing. Yeah, this is literally Dustin Poirier, and you're gonna call him Dan. Dan. Like, yeah, you multiple times, multiple <laughs> times, multiple times at that. Like, come on, man, you got to be better. 
<laughs> yeah. And then I think this, that was the same, that might have been the same post show that they uh, didn't know who Francis Ngannou was. Yeah. And they had all those audio problems too. Like, it, oh, yeah. Like, Chell and Michael Bisping were talking over each other because, like, there was like a delay or something. It was just, it was all bad. And, and you were literally texting me, like, F this shit. Oh my God. It's this so, is so bad. Good. It's so bad. Man, yeah. Hey, he doesn't know who Francis Agano is. Oh my gosh. Like, yeah, it was so it bad. Was epic. It was so bad. It was epic. <laughs> All right. Our uh, number two of six on the main card, lightweight division. We have Diego Fajeda, 17 and three. You mentioned the uh, loss to Benil Dariush uh, not too long ago against the return of Gregor Gillespie, 13 and one. The only loss is that loss to Kevin Lee. Uh, so he's finally bouncing back. I mean, speaking of long layoffs, I, I mean, it feels like another lifetime ago, which, look, I say everything pre-COVID was a separate lifetime ago. So, uh, literally, Gregor Gillespie last fought a lifetime ago. It was a different world the last time Gregor Gillespie fought. So, I'm just glad he's back in the octagon. Like, this has been a guy that has, has been able to retain a top 15 ranking throughout this entire absence in, I think, the most competitive division in the sport. Uh, so I, I'm really excited for this fight, and let me give you these fight odds before you make your pick. Gregor Gillespie, minus 200. Diego Fajeda, plus 150. Man, uh, so if, if, if I wouldn't have seen that Benil Darius fight, I would have liked, uh, Diego Fajeda's chances a lot more. Um, I think Benil was able to take him down uh, pretty much whenever he wanted. And, uh, you know, especially when, uh, you know, the fight was a war. And after a while, you could kind of see, like, it didn't look like Benil had his legs underneath him. Uh, I think Diego kind of hurt him. But Benil was still able to land those takedowns. And I think that Gregor is uh, way more aggressive with his with his takedowns than Benil is. Um, so, man, um, I'm not sure how long that this will be standing. Um, so, I mean, I do have questions about how um, Gregor's going to look coming off of such a huge knockout and his first loss like that. Invisibility's uh, all gone now. But right. I think he's taking the, top, the proper time off after a big knockout like that. And uh, I think he's going to be more defensively sound on the feet, and he's going to be more willing to um, take the fight to the ground. So I'm going to go uh, Gregor Gillespie. I like it. Um, you mentioned this about Dominic Reyes last week when we were making the picks on the main event, and you were like, you know, when you get knocked out like that, sometimes it just something can change inside you, and it's always in- and I'm with you. It's I think it's always interesting to see how a guy bounces back, especially a guy that's on a run like Dominic Reyes has been, or. Gregor Gillespie was undefeated before that. Um, he, he literally felt something for the first time in his professional career. I, I agree with you on the amount of time off. At the same time, it's also a long time off to go into a matchup, and then all of a sudden it's like, hey, welcome back to the UFC. There's Diego Fajeda. I will say I agree with you about the, the Darius takedowns. It's not as concerning to me, though, because I don't feel like... Fajeda had to be extremely worried about what Darius could do standing up as well as taking him down. I mean, Darius is a dangerous guy to stand up and trade with. So you're not you're not just defending the takedowns. You're also worrying about him potentially KOing you. Whereas with Gregor Gillespie, I think it's a little bit easier to focus 
on one area as opposed to like worrying about, hey, I might get KO'd at the same time that I have to worry about this guy taking me down. Um, so I think that plays a little bit of a role here as well. Um, I, I love this matchup. I'm going to go Diego Fajeda. Uh, I've talked myself into I it. Like it. I, I like Gregor Gillespie. Um, I, I, I would love to see the Gregor Gillespie of old bounce back to 155 because, again, you and I both love this division. This division just has killers all over the place. Um, I, I think Diego Fajeda really felt like he had opportunities in that Darius fight. And, look, we saw flashes from him. I think we have not yet seen the best Diego Fajeda. So, um, I think he bounces back in this fight. So, I'll take Fajeda over Gregor Gillespie. Okay, I like it. Opposite sides. I Opposite like sides. It. And, by the way, I was going to take Fajeda even if I had gone first. So, <laughs> just letting you know. All right, our third fight on this uh, main card, heavyweight division. We have Maurice Green, who is nine and five overall, against Marcos DeLima, seventeen seven and one. By the way, Marcos DeLima looks like a dude that would be in one of those like Jean Claude Van Damme like mixed martial oh, art tournament fighters, absolutely. like just comes out of nowhere, you know, and he's like some some rand from some random country that is representing like some region to you know. Uh, Every Jean-Claude Van Damme movie ever, but he looks the part without a doubt. Marcos de Lima is a minus 175 favorite. Maurice Green plus 150. Oh, man, this one, um, this is another one where I wish you were kind of going first (laughs) uh, because I think I just would have picked opposite you. Um, This is one of those fights that, um, I mean, it's the heavyweight division, so anything could happen. Um, You know, I, you know, I've watched Maurice Green a couple of times, and, you know, I, I think I've seen him lose, like, more times. Like, I think every time I've seen him fight, he's lost. Um, I mean, I know I know he's, I know he's solid, um, but, you know, I've seen him lose so many times. I think I'm just going to go ahead and take uh, DeLima. I think that's the safe bet in this one. Yeah. Um, it's going to be dilemma for me as well, but, and, and a little bit for the same reason I I'm with you. Like, I, I feel like every time I've, I, I, I don't know. I don't know if I've ever actually like watched a Maurice green fight in, in real time that resulted in a Maurice green win. It just seems maybe, maybe like he needs me to quit watching him. Uh, and those are the opportunities when he wins it. But, um, the thing about DeLima that's interesting is, like, all of his losses are submission losses. Like, every time he's lost, he's been submitted, I believe. And I don't know how good Maurice Green's ground game is or submission game, um, but that kind of caught my attention when you look at... So he lost to Romanov, forearm choke, uh, lost to Struve, arm triangle choke, lost to OSP, Von Vlue, Von Vlue choke, uh, lost to uh, Antigolov, guillotine choke. Lost wow. to Nikita Krylov, rear naked choke. Uh, wow. Lost to Antonio Carlos Jr., rear naked choke. I, I was begging for an arm bar or a leg lock or something, but he, he's just steady getting choked out. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I, I, I don't really feel like I've seen a lot of that from Maurice Green. But I mean... I don't know if you remember this one. I actually have watched a uh, Maurice Green win 
Do you remember when he fought John Vellante and then Vellante just like tapped out and he just, we didn't even know if there was like a actual submission that was locked in. I remember that fight last <laughs> year. I didn't watch it in real time. I, I remembered like I, it was one of those that I think I had DVR'd and then I watched it back later, but yeah. Yeah. Like Maurice Green had him in some submission. I forget what it is. Yeah. And then it didn't even look like it was fully locked in. And then John Vellante just tapped. Yeah. And, you know, John Vellante looked like he had just got up off the couch and just went in there and decided to fight. So, I mean, I don't know how much I'm putting into that one. So, um, all the fights that I've really watched of Maurice Green, he's lost uh, outside of that one. So, uh, yeah, I think I'm feeling pretty confident in my Delima pick. All right. Delima for both of us in the third fight of the night. All right, we get to uh, one of the fights that we talked about potentially could have been uh, considered for a main event. Uh, this is a really good one, and stylistically, I think this fight uh, makes a ton of sense as far as how good it's going to be. We have welterweights Neil Magny, 24-8, and eight, coming off of a loss to Michael Chiesa versus Jeff Neal, 13-3 and three overall. He's coming off of a loss to Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. Currently, we have Jeff Neal as a minus 215 favorite Neil Magny, plus 170 underdog. Wow, I definitely thought that uh, Neil Magny was going as a favorite in this one. Um, I think, uh, his last fight against Kiesa, you know, people were so confused, uh, as to what type of approach he had because, yeah, <laughs> because he just, he basically went out there and just gave, just, he fought Kiesa's fight. Well, just say it. He fought Kiesa's fight. Fought Kiesa's fight, man. Like it was, it was so crazy. It was just like, he went in there just like, okay, Kiesa, we're in the main event. I want you to win, so I'm just going to do whatever <laughs> your game plan was. So let's just go ahead and let's get you the W. I mean, yeah, it was it was very confusing. Uh, definitely uh, wasn't anticipating that from Neil Magny. Uh, he normally fights a lot smarter than that. Um, so I, I think um, th- these odds are based off of that, that last fight. Uh, but also, Jeff Neal is very, very tough. Um, you know, before you know, this whole pandemic and everything, he was the dark horse of the division for sure. And then he goes into a fight with, uh, with wonder boy, uh, who's probably the, the toughest fight as far as, you know, striking is concerned. And he kind of shut down Jeff Neal. Um, and, you know, Neal had a few moments, but it, it, you know, Steven Thompson is such a puzzle that it's really, really tough to, to figure him out. Um, I think Jeff Neal is really, really good. I think um, that loss against Wonderboy was like a learning experience. It's only going to make him better. And uh, I think we've seen the best days of Neil Magny already. And I think we're still seeing uh, Jeff Neal ascend. So I'm going to pick uh, Jeff Neal. Yes, yes. I was hoping you were going to take Jeff Neal. Give me Neil Magny. Uh, I like this fight a lot. I think it's going to be a good fight. I would say this about Jeff Neal. I absolutely think he has a lot more power and is is more dangerous as far as just having that ability to win the fight at any given point throughout this 15 minutes. I thought something that was really glaring in the Wonder Boy fight was the the reach and the distance management from Wonder Boy and you know he was just so the length was just such a problem for Jeff Neal who's what 5'11" Uh, you know, Wonder Boy just made it impossible for Jeff Neal to get to him and was able to just pick him apart. Neil Magny's 6'3". 
we talked about this with the Kiesa fight. You know, if Neil Magny uses his length uh, and never lets the guy get inside, um, you know, again, I don't think he necessarily knocks him out, but I think he could win a decision in this fight if he fights that kind of fight. I also think that Michael Chiesa dominated him on the ground. That's not what Jeff Neal does. So, you know, Jeff Neal's not going to dominate him for 15 minutes on takedowns and, you know, just outpointing him that way. So, um, I, I like this fight a lot. I like Jeff Neal a lot. I just think this is a really bad matchup for Jeff Neal in this division. And I think Neil Magny's just going to bounce. Like, Neil Magny's going to go back. And we were both frustrated watching Neil Magny fight that kind of fight against Kiesa. I'm sure he was frustrated. I think he fixes those issues. And again, I think you just see the length overall being a, another, uh, you know, just rough matchup for Jeff Neal, a lot like the Wonderboy fight was. Yeah, I think um, the reach and the distance management of Wonderboy, um, it definitely had a lot of, uh, presented a lot of issues for uh, for Jeff Neal, but I don't think that uh, Neil Magny is going to be looking to use his length and use, you know, distance. I think he's going to, I don't think he's going to want to to stand with with Jeff Neal for a, for a long period of time. I think he's going to be wanting to take this fight to the ground and uh, do a lot of damage on the ground. Um Man, yeah, you made a lot of good points. I, I don't know, man. I, I think I think Jeff Neal, he's such a good striker, man, and I know that um, he's probably going to realize that Neil Maddie is going to want to take this fight to the ground. Um, and, you know, I just – you know, Neil Maddie, there's been so many fights um, where that really take him to that upper part of the division that he just loses. Like, the Kiesa is the perfect example. Like, it just seems like he just shuts down. And I feel like this is going to be another one of those scenarios, man. I, I like Jeff Neal in this one. I think um, uh, that last fight with Wonderboy was a learning experience for him, and I think he's going to come out and uh, be better. Very nice. All right, our co-main event at 170, Donald Cowboy Cerrone, 36-15. and 15. Well, yes, I said 36-15. and 15. The guy has 51 MMA fights against Alex Morano. 18 and 7 overall. Our current odds Cowboy minus 140, Murano plus 120. Man, okay. Um, this one's kind of tough because, uh, you know, Cowboy, you just kind of see, like, you kind of wonder how much he has left. Um, ever since that Conor McGregor fight, you know, I feel like that fight just kind of sucked all of the you know, everything that he had left out of him. Uh, you know, I, he fought Anthony Pettis uh, to a decision. You know, I feel like that was a fight that he could have won. Um, that The uh, Nico Price fight uh, was close. Um, I mean, Nico yeah. Nico would have won that fight if there wasn't the point deduction, right? Right, absolutely. Yeah, Nico was, was on his way of winning that fight. And I think his problems of being a slow starter still haven't, um, you know, came to You know, he still hasn't improved on those. Um, you know, he's still uh, struggling to, to start these fights. And, you know, Alex Morano, he looked pretty good against Anthony Pettis, but, you know, Pettis used his experience and everything to uh, to get out of decision. I don't know for, for Cowboy, man. I think you can just pretty much chalk up the first round for Morano, and then we just see what happens after that. Um, Cowboy is just such a slow starter, and then he kind of picks it up in the second round and the third round. Against Nico Price, he never really got got it going like he really should have. 
So uh, this one's tough, but I think um, I feel a little better about it since uh, Morano's taking this on short notice. You know, Cerrone's supposed to fight Diego Sanchez, and then, the whole, you know, the whole thing happened with that. Um, but, you know, I'm going to go ahead and go Cowboy, man. Hold out hope for my, for my guy, Cowboy. All right. I like it. Um, this is really tough because this is one of those, like, uh, like heart and head type things. Like, one is telling me one thing, and the other is telling me the other. Um this is the great thing about going second in this scenario. <laughs> I've gone against you twice already, and there's a really good chance that I may do it again in the main event. So uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna be tactical here, and uh, I think my heart is telling me Cowboy. My head is telling me Murano. I'm gonna go with the heart. I'm gonna go with the <laughs> I'm I'm gonna go with Cowboy. Uh, as the uh, the sentimental pick here, we'll be on the same side for this one and uh, get ready for our main event. So, by the way, the Diego Sanchez stuff. Wow, that hit man! It, it's it's so sad because you start to forget like what Diego Sanchez meant to Miss Martial Arts. How can you uh, not you like that guy? To? Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, like Trailblazer, right? Yeah, man, like everything that he's been in this in the UFC, like from the Ultimate Fighter to his championship fights with BJ Penn to that big uh, war that he had with Gilbert Melendez that was crazy. Yeah, I was like, about to say, they actually, ESPN last night had greatest UFC fights on, and they showed the Gilbert Melendez-Diego Sanchez fight last night. I was like, I forgot how great this was. Man, that, that fight was incredible, man. Um, Diego... Uh, just the, the 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 visuals of him bleeding and still just telling him, like, come on, let's go. Like, Diego's always been a warrior. Um, and this whole situation is kind of just, like, making people forget about how special that this guy once was. Um, I mean, his, his coach or trainer, whoever that guy is, I mean, uh, I mean – I think undis- he. I think he is probably undisputedly the most disliked guy in the history of MMA. Like, I don't think I, there's ever been a guy that that's universally just hated by everyone. Everyone that I've seen do an interview about Diego and his coach always <laughs> has something bad to say about him. So, and it's just sad that Diego's getting um, uh, wrapped into all this. It's it's sad. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, this is a guy that. Uh... I mean, I just feel like it's been around forever, right? Like, he's just... When when the UFC really kind of took that next step, uh, it was, you know, he was a big part of it. And he was one of the rising stars of that time period. So, uh, a tough deal all the way around, I feel like. Yeah, tough. And, and, you know, he just had a fight going to the Hall of Fame. His That fight with Clay Guida, that was one of the most... That was one of the greatest fights in UFC history, like... Everything that Diego has done in his career, and then for it to end like that, I mean, and I feel like this is probably going to be his last fight anyway. But I mean, for him to go out on the, on those terms, it's just sad for just everything that he's been through in this sport, man. Just all of the great fights, uh, it, it's just tough to see, man. Yeah. Diego is one of the um, pioneers of this sport, and it's just sad to see him go out like that. For sure. 
All right, our main event, we have, I was about to say women's straw weights, but this is not women's straw weights. This is women's fly weights. Marina Rodriguez and Michelle Watterson. Marina Rodriguez, 13-1 and 2 overall. She uh, had that knockout win over Amanda Hebos earlier this year. Earlier this year. Michelle Watterson, 18-8 and 8 overall. Our odds, Will, on the main event, we have... Michelle Watterson as the betting underdog, plus 135. Marina Rodriguez, minus 155. Mr. Brewer, your pick in the main event. Whew, man. Um, Well, to be fair, let me just say that, you know, these are strawweights who are fighting at 125 because, you know, this whole situation just kind of was thrown together at the last minute. Um man uh i mean this one's tough because you just don't know like how either of them are going to look like how they've been training have you know are, how 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 in shape are both of these women um i think it's pretty you can say that michelle watterson's always training but uh for marina you know you don't really know she's in brazil you know there's always some type of picture or footage of Michelle Watterson uh, training with uh, in New Mexico at Jackson's. So I think um, at least Michelle Watterson is going to be in decent shape. You know, I don't know about Marina. Um, man, if this was like, like a regular fight, you know, fight camp and everything, I think it would be easier for me to make a pick. I think, you know, Marina's looked better in her last couple fights. You know, of course, she knocked out Amanda Hebos. Let me ask you this: not not to interrupt, but if this were if this fight were happening with a full camp as planned, and it was at one fifteen, does does that significantly change your view of how this fight might go? Then the kind of the short notice situation and it being at one twenty five, because I feel like for me the weight difference might play a factor here. Yeah, the weight difference, and then just like the cardio, like. You know, all all the, the short notice, like it all plays a huge factor into it. I, it's something that just that can't be ignored. Um, so yeah, I mean, I feel like you know Michelle Watterson's already on the the smaller side of straw weights, and I feel like Marina Rodriguez is on is is a pretty solid straw weight. And I think you know her not having to cut any weight and being able to just fill out, she's she's going to be significantly bigger than um michelle watterson already so uh i think uh michelle watterson's best uh key to victory would be to use her cardio and to use and to wrestle but i think with marina being the significantly bigger person bigger fighter um and i just don't think that michelle's going to be able to get her down like that um so i think in this main event i think i'm gonna go with marina um i really like michelle but i just don't think that this uh, scenario is going to work out well for her. All right. Marina. Who? Marina Rodriguez, Kobe. <laughs> <laughs> Marina Rodriguez. Marina uh, no. Rodriguez. <laughs> Marina Rodriguez uh, in the main event. I, 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 you know, I normally don't call um, like how I feel like the fight's going to end. Yeah. But I think I see a finish. Oh, okay. Um, I, th- I I've been really torn on this, and and again, you're right. Like, if we had 
if this was we're at 115, if this were normal fight camps and a normal situation, um, maybe that changes my my opinion. I kind of feel like with just the chaotic situation, like I kind of just like Michelle Waterson's side of this with it not being a traditional fight. And the like, I just, I, I like how well-rounded she is. I like how versatile she is. I think she can do a lot of different things inside the octagon. Um, this is a really tough one. Uh, but because I am picking second, I am, uh, I'm just going to go opposite. So uh, this got me in a little bit of trouble er, in the earlier stages of our pick uh flying on a whim and going opposite you. But uh, in, in this one, I really do uh, feel like this is so close. And with the, the crazy factors that are at play in this fight and, and the fact that I do like Michelle Waterson and kind of like the the chaotic unknown situation, uh, I'm going to I'm going to go opposite in the three pointer and take Michelle Waterson. So there we go. Well, we have three fights in this uh, six-fight main card that we were on the opposite sides of. Man, uh, man, of course, for my first time picking first, a main event like that, like this happens. You know, a main event that's thrown together that you don't really know uh, what's going on with either fighter. But, um, yeah, I still think it's going to be a very fun fight. I, I think both of these women will, will bring it. Uh, Michelle Watterson, it just seems like she's always in wars now. And I think uh, Marina Rodriguez... Marina Rodriguez is uh, the type of fighter that's going to present a war to her. You know, I think that um, Michelle's last fight with Angela Hill, uh, it was it was very, very close, but uh, Michelle was able to uh, squeeze out a win. Uh, I think Marina's just going to be uh, too big for her. Um, and then at 125, I think that's the thing that really uh, puts it over the top for me. Yeah. I think at 125, I just think Marina's just going to be significantly bigger and it's going to be tough for Michelle to to get her down. Yeah. Uh, look, I think it's an entertaining fight. And, you know, we talked about this being the main event versus potentially a couple other matchups that, that maybe could have been, um, given that, that right. But, uh, regard, I, I think, I do think this is a fun matchup. I think it's a good fight. I think it's going to be an interesting fight. Uh, I don't really see it significantly favorable one way or the other. So, uh, why not? Let's, uh, let's be on the opposite sides. Yeah, man. I mean, I just got my lead. I, I wanted to say this is a this seems like it's a game full of runs. You made your run, right? I made my run. Now let's see if I can continue my run, or if, I, you know, if I'm just gonna get stopped dead in my tracks by a Michelle Watterson head kick or something. Oh, that that would be terrible. I gotta <laughs> tell you, I haven't uh, I haven't lost back to back main events. Uh, I don't think. Uh, since we started doing this scoring format, uh, I lost the Curtis Blades Derek Lewis fight way back at the beginning, uh, and then I lost uh, Kevin Holland Derek Brunson at one point. But actually, I think I'm perfect in the main event since that point. So uh, we'll see. Man, I feel like I was doing pretty good with uh, with main events, but then when Derek Lewis knocked out Curtis Blades, it completely shut down like my main event pick. <laughs> like, I feel like I was wrong on main events for like the next like three or four picks. And then I got down yeah. and then I had to squeeze my way back in it. Like, yeah, I, it felt, it felt really, really good for Yuri Prohaska to get a, a win. So I was just like, ah, oh, finally uh, I'm right on a main event again. <laughs> All right. Uh, we always do this. Let's close it out with uh which fight on this main card 
will be the best fight. Which fight on this main card is your fight of the night? Prediction. Ooh, um, man, I'm going to go with, um, hmm. I'm going to go with, uh, Amanda Hebos and Angela Hill. Uh, I thought we're too much was, alike, dude. We are too much alike, man. I, I out of all these fights, man, I think that that's the one that's that's yeah. going to be back and forth. Like they're just going to go at it. I mean, I thought I thought really hard about picking Marina and Michelle Watterson, but you know, I'm not sure how long that one will last. But I just know that Angela Hill's going to bring it, and I just know that Amanda Hebos is always game. So yeah, I think that's the clear. Um, Night I was going to pick one of the two female fights, but I was leaning more toward uh, He Boss Angela Hill as as the better fight. And again, it's only three rounds, so you don't have like the pacing yourself factor as much. But I mean, Fajeda Gregor Gillespie, like that fight potentially ends up on the ground some, and like I, those two guys just it doesn't give you the sense of a war. Like it's completely different styles. It'll be a good fight to see which style wins, but I don't think it gives us that like. Wow, that was an amazing fight. Um, so like, and and like Neil Magny never gives you that kind of fight, right? Like his style just never like, like I like Neil Magny, but his style like he's never just involved in that kind of fight, and I appreciate that about him. It's why I think he has so much longevity in the sport. Um, he just doesn't quite get caught up in that thing. Maurice Green to Lima, like I I don't know that just doesn't really push those buttons for me, and then. I just don't even know what to expect with uh, Alex Morano and Cowboy Cerrone. So, yeah, I think the two female fights to me have the best chances of being the, you know, the like, wow, what a what a great fight type of matchup. Yeah, and we've seen Michelle Watterson have a fight of the night type performances. Like, we've seen Angela Hill. Like, their last fight was a fight of the night, um, I believe. And then we know Amanda Hebos is uh, is always game with the finishes. Uh, she's always looking for finishes. And same thing with uh, Marina Rodriguez. So I feel like the styles yeah. mesh really well in both of these fights. I just really feel like the the women's fights they always bring it more times than not. So uh, yeah, I'm I'm pretty confident in it, that it'll be Amanda Hebos and Angela Hill. All right, my friend. Uh, good luck on Saturday night. Um, we'll see who's picking first next week. But uh, job well done in your first week back in the driver's seat. Yes, sir. Let's hope I can keep it. And uh, going into the big pay-per-view next week where we have a big title fight. So I'm hoping well, that I can pick first Yeah, I guess it is still big. It's uh, It lost some it lost some buzz with uh, Nate Diaz and, and uh, Leon Edwards dropping out. But what are they going to replace that fight with? Have you heard anything about what potentially replaces that? No, I think uh, they're just going to bump up uh, Ferguson and Benil to the co-main and just uh, add a fight to the main card. I think, like, uh, Hermanson and Sabazian was on the prelims. That might be on the main oh, card. Oh, yeah, so. yeah, that would be the obvious main card move. Yeah, so... Uh, I, I actually had... Know. That's, like, the third time I've completely forgot that fight was on the card. Right. Yeah, it, it's flown under the radar. And it's, it's a good it's fight, a good, but yeah, I've just like, it just really completely good. disappears in the pile of awesome potential wars on that card. Yeah. And then, and then I just thought about this. Um, so they're still going to make Leon and Nate for uh, the June pay per view. There's already two title fights on that. And I think that they said that they're going to make Leon and Nate the co main. 
So it's still going to be a five-round co-main event yeah. along with the two other title fights. So I think that just makes the, the June card that much better. Yeah, there you go. Agreed. All right, buddy. We'll catch up on Saturday. All right, my brother. Thanks to Will Brewer for joining me on the Colby Daniels podcast presented by Artisan Botanicals in Midwest City. Check out their line of natural medicine products, including Kratom, CBD, and Delta 8. If you're looking for something to help with pain, anxiety, or just an opioid alternative, Artisan Botanicals has what you're looking for. Plus, they have a staff dedicated to helping you live a better life. So if you have any questions about these products or their health benefits, don't hesitate to reach out to Artisan Botanicals, 405 458 96 99 plus we're saving you 15% when you order online use the discount code Colby show at checkout when you visit abotanicalcompany.com once again discount code Colby show at abotanicalcompany.com artisan botanicals in Midwest City hope everybody has a great day stay safe and I will see you tomorrow Podcast is over.